Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and welcome back to the latest installment in our Austin series of Munchies, the podcast. If you're just tuning in, we've been exploring what's left of old Austin and digging into the booming city that it's become. On today's episode, we're hanging out in a beautiful space that sits in the middle of opposing forces in Austin at the moment. The influx of new people that are pouring into the city and the struggle to keep remnants of old Austin culture alive. So what better way to do that than to head straight to the city's hippest urban farm, Springdale, with one of Austin's best chefs, Michael Fotogé of Old May. So we're standing on the grassy front yard of Springdale Farm on Austin's east side with Michael. This is the place where the Olame team sources as much of their produce for the restaurant's menu as they can. Springdale has become a meeting place for chefs and Austin hipsters, from the pop-up restaurant called East of Eden, which sits on the farm's front yard, to the beautiful heirloom chickens that look like something Anna Wintour would wear on her head. The farm is open to the public, and it's a space where the city's best chefs and locals come to purchase fresh produce, connect with their neighbors, and nerd out on great food. The neighborhood itself has become the city's hipster den, and it's pushed out many of its historically working-class residents with the rising property taxes and housing increases. Springdale was recently caught in the middle of this tension. They needed to have their land rezoned and get new permits so they could start having events and continue growing food on the farm. But some members of the community tried to block them from getting these permits and have the farm shut down. So they took them to City Hall. Then we put the whole food industry, every small business we could muster up on the east side. And got them to come out and rally behind the farm. One of those people was Michael. But if you haven't heard of Michael Fotogé, here's a quick primer. He's the chef and owner of Olame, which has garnered national recognition in a very short period of time. Last year, Fotogé won Food & Wine Magazine's Best New Chef Award, and Olame has been recognized as one of the best restaurants in Texas by Texas Monthly. Olame is known for its upscale seasonal Southern cuisine. With an ever-changing menu, Fotogé and his team will serve you everything from a country-fried blowfish to hop and john with a soft-boiled egg and chicken and dumplings with fermented carrot. This stuff seems comforting, but it's also really complex. Almost everything is super seasonal and sourced from within 200 miles of the white building where the restaurant stands. This restaurant is a space where new Southern foodways are being born and the past is always present. I sat down with Michael to discuss how he's rediscovering and remixing traditional Southern and Texan cuisine and explore who the real Olame is. Michael, can you tell me about Olame's namesake? Sure. <clears throat> uh, Olame is my mother's name, my grandmother's name, my great-grandmother, and my great-great-grandmother's first name. Um, I was raised by, for a good portion of my childhood, by my mother and my grandmother. So I lived with Big Ola and Little Ola. Uh, Big Ola was my grandmother, and in stature she was rather small, and my Little Ola is my mother, and much taller than my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also a good reference towards what 
we endeavor to do as as uh, a restaurant. It's you know this idea of doing things um, that are probably these days being considered modern, but are actually traditional, um, just because some traditions have fallen by the wayside, um, and kind of you know also the idea that the name represents you know basically uh, you know 120 years of uh progression um which is important to kind of the vision that we have around uh the restaurant it's taking tradition and progressing it all right so you guys when you opened up there austin didn't really have like a southern restaurant why Firstly, we have to acknowledge the fact that Texas is not part of the South. Texas is it's very much its own thing with a lot of Southern influence. Um, and, you know, folks from Tennessee have made a history of coming to, to Texas, which I think has had a, a great impact on the Texas cuisine that exists. But as well, it's important to acknowledge that there are three popular categories that are often considered southern food and they are southern food comfort food and soul food these things are uh, all very different and southern food can be uh, well comfort food and soul food can fall under the umbrella of southern food but they are in their way the their very own thing as well so southern food itself uh, as a as a broad term, which is what we use, um, is much more like a, of the moment. It's about what's of the moment. It's about what's in season. It's about what's available around you. It's not necessarily about, like Gray said, everything fried. It's about what is what's growing in the backyard. Essentially, if you talk to all of these. You know, folks who are in, you know, um, from from the southern food world that have a traditional background in it, they talk about their grandmother's garden. They talk about their grandmother's grandmother's garden. Um, you know, Michael Twitty, you know, kind of our our foremost scholars talking about southern food scholars talking about uh the garden. I mean, he references the garden constantly, and and for us, that is truly authentic Southern food, and that's what that is about. And and you know, I love mac and cheese, but to me, it's not necessarily Southern food. So we think about like Edna Lewis and cookbooks like the Charleston Receipts and stuff like that as some kind of classic Southern cookbooks. But when you guys were starting to uh, develop the menu before you open like what were some places that you drew inspiration from specifically from like which cookbooks who are some of the people that really inspire you housekeeping in old virginia scott peacock and lewis uh I, I, I taste of country cooking is a, a very important book um because it is a representation of a really great representation of what it is that we try to do I would say that book is the book. And then, you know, and the reason that book is so important, too, in so many ways is 
it's one of these classic books that tells a story, doesn't just give you a list of recipes and, you know, and the story is not about like, you know, who the dish, the story is not like, you know, it's not some whiz bang story about who it is. It's actually about tradition, why we serve this, when we serve it, for who we serve it. Um, just like another, you know, other books like Cross Creek Cookery does an amazing job of. So, and yeah, that book, that book is far and away the most exciting, I think, to this day. The idea that we are trying to create something that is firmly rooted in history and having a book that is rep- very representative of that history is very, it's super appropriate. So, what's it like to own a restaurant in Austin today? Owning and operating a restaurant in Austin right now is a challenging thing to do. Um, from the outside, I can uh, we can imagine that it's not necessarily as challenging as it appears, or it's more cha- what we can assume. We think it's more challenging than it probably appears from others who are not a part of this community. Um, the challenges here in town are are great the PR that Austin gets as far as a food destination is amazing and wonderful and helpful in so many ways we have great experiences with guests from all over the world and we've been very fortunate to um, be considered a great restaurant for people who come to visit Austin Um, Austin diners themselves are very wonderful and very much coming out of an era where they really only ate tacos and not even brisket. Like barbecue, people don't understand. Like barbecue in Austin was not a thing. Like it wasn't a thing six years ago until Aaron Franklin showed up and put a trailer down the best barbecue in Austin was at Rudy's, which is fine and good, but it's a gas station. It's like there was no barbecue in Austin. So, hello. <laughs> it's not as much there of a thing. Mueller, there was Mueller and there was House Park, right? But in Sam's. Sam's, yeah, but nobody, nobody went to Austin and said, I'm going to eat barbecue. They came here and they said, I'm going to eat Uchi. I'm going to eat Home Slice. I'm going to eat Gueros. Um, and then, you know, kind of all, you know, these Wink. Wink is amazing and wonderful and still relevant in so many ways. And, and they do a fantastic job. And I think, you know, it's nice to have them. Um, but this food culture here in Austin is so very young. The diner's perspective um, is young and evolving, which is wonderful. I hope anyone who's from Austin or lives in Austin who's listening to this doesn't think that we have anything against the community, which we certainly don't. But as far as the challenges associated with um, a great portion of the diners thinking that a lot of food belongs on a plate and they don't care where it comes from has made it challenging. So that wraps up our interview with Michael Fotogé of Olamay. 
Thanks so much to Glenn Four and his lovely wife, Paula, for allowing us to hang out at Springdale. If you find yourself in Austin, pay him a visit. It's open to the public and a small utopia in the city. And go to Olame because it's one of the best meals you'll probably have in this lifetime. On the next and final episode from our Austin series of Munchies the Podcast. There were different rougher places I've worked through the years. I guess there's one redneck place when I was in my early 20s. Uh, someone brought in a uh, sea turtle. They'd just come up from the coast with a sea turtle. So <laughs> since the turtle's beak fit perfectly into the opening in the bud can, I served him a Budweiser. <laughs> we'll pay a visit to one of the most legendary bars in Austin, one of Willie Nelson's old haunts, to discuss how to be a Texan in 2016. So until then, get all of our delicious Munchies content at munchies.tv. Peep us at Munchies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, too. And if you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. It really helps us out. I'm Helen Holliman. I'll talk to y'all real soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.